Hello, and welcome to the What's Next podcast. My name is Liz Smith, owner of Liz Smith Law, and on this show, I share conversations to investigate building and leaving your legacy, estate planning for young families, supporting aging loved ones and parents, and other topics around aging, death, and other life transitions that will affect each of us. This is your source for hard-to-find resources in Southeast Alaska and beyond. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to get each and every episode of our show. With me as my guest today is Nim DeSwart. Nim is an entrepreneur turned social entrepreneur, the world's first chief next generation officer and a champion of co-generational connections. She believes that eye contact is the forgotten password to human connection. Her journey started in marketing, brand, people innovation, and entrepreneurship, then pivoted to social impact and strategic advisory at some of the world's best brands. She was co-pilot to CEOs, Polar Explorers, and Board of Directors, driving cultural transformation and innovation from within companies across the USA, UK, Bermuda, UAE, and Australia. Like many who have read David Brooks' powerful novel, The Second Mountain, when this chapter of entrepreneurship came to an end, Nim discovered that she had climbed the first mountain without realizing it. And now looking out from the summit, she knew that I needed to find a new sense of purpose. Today, Nim is a social entrepreneur, founder, board director, and advisor. She founded The Win-Win, a platform that uses storytelling to connect across the generations. After meeting in Antarctica, Christina Beckman and Nim co-founded Tomorrow's Air, the world's first carbon removal collective. They're a dynamic, co-generational, cross-continental team. Nim also serves on the advisory board of Sparks and Honey, a New York-based cultural constancy that combines social and data sciences to solve world-changing challenges for Fortune 500 corporations. Nim grew up in a humble treehouse in Port Douglas, part of tropical far north Queensland, Australia. And if she didn't get on a plane until she was 13, travel has always been an aspirational part of her hyperactive curiosity. Nim's life mil- mission, life's mission is to build bridges and foster connections between humans and businesses so that our future societies are joy-filled, unified, and prosperous. This is her fierce commitment to making eye contact with the world. All right. Uh, good afternoon for me and good morning to you. My guest today is Nim DeSwart. Welcome to What's Next. Thank you, Liz. I'm so happy we could connect. This is a, I'm speaking to Nim. She is in Eastern Australia. Mm-hmm. It is morning, her time. And we connected every morning. I read two blogs and then a news piece. So there's three emails I hit every morning. And one of them is Chip Conley's, it's, I guess the email is, what is it called? Wisdom Well. Wisdom Well, yeah. Great. And you did a guest post for him and we'll, we'll come back. I'd love to talk some more about your meeting Chip and, and working with Modern Elder Academy and circle back. But reading your guest post, I just thought, wow, this is a woman that has kind of this, I just think we're relatable. And I really <laughs> wanted to read it out and you responded and, he, and here we are. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it's the power of a cold call email. No one should ever underestimate the power of a cold call email. That's originally how I met Chip was through an email similar to the one that you sent me. (laughs) That's great. Paying it forward. Um, And so as our guests will hear about momentarily, you have started a project that I think people are going to be really excited about. But before that, I wanted to start a little bit about your background in. Mm. And to dive in, how about I start by asking what is, what does it mean to be a chief next generation officer? And how does that tie in with your life? (laughs) Well, life is full of different chapters, right? Um, I feel like every person or every human I encounter has multiple chapters in their life. And Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a time in my life where my job title was Chief Next Generation Officer. I was the only one in the world and um, it was really a chapter that completely changed my life and it began um, with a chance encounter in the desert of Dubai 
um, with the Bacardi Global CEO, Mike Dolan. And he saw something in me and it led him to cold call me for a once in a lifetime job working alongside him. And I had to decide, do I either take the dream job or do I take the dream trip? Because I just booked a one-way ticket um, around the world to go on a sabbatical um, for an endless amount of time. And um, my intuition actually led me to turn down that role. What could have been quite possibly the greatest career opportunity I ever received, I declined. And I went and did the trip and I backpacked across 25 countries for 10 months. And it was during this trip that Mike actually kept in contact with me and um, I ended up joining him 10 months into my trip um, alongside him. He was the Bacardi Global CEO and I began this journey as Chief Next Generation Officer. And the essence of my role was I was an entrepreneur. Um, it was a disruptive role that really accelerated change and innovation within um, you know, the world's largest privately owned spirits company. Yeah, so Mike and I, um, we were, he was 70 and I was 30 at the time. And um, we were a dynamic intergenerational dream team. We created a, a global program and strategy called Next Gen. And um, it was an internal innovation program for employees. And um, yeah, this role really cemented my true superpowers and gave me a very unique area for change. And um, it also taught me and showed me in real life the power of intergenerational connection and collaboration. And um, you know, Mike is now 74 and we're still in close contact and he's really an incredible mentor and leader that um, changed my entire life and career and life trajectory. And was Mike looking to hire a chief next generation officer or did he see something in you that sparked wanting to create this role? Yeah, it's a great question, Liz, because quite often I've asked him, you know, what did you see in me at that exact moment? He had a burning desire to create a program that really um, empowered young employees to drive innovation up from the bottom level of the company all the way up to the top. And after meeting me in Dubai, he really felt that I was the right person to lead this initiative. And he was coming off the board and stepping in as interim CEO and was quite disruptive in his approach. And so he knew that we needed to do things differently from the very beginning. And so this was an entirely new role that he created and he felt that I was the best person to lead this, um, this project. Amazing. Tell me some more about NextGen and what steps you took on a practical level to drive this rise from the, the bottom within the organization? Well, quite often in larger companies, a lot of the um, executive decisions are made at the very top of the company. And, um, you know, we were in the drinks business and our customers are from all ages and stages. And, you know, we really knew that if we could empower ideation from within our employees, that would only um, give us richer ideas and innovations. And so NextGen was a way where we gave the passport for ideation and innovation to multiple employees so that the, de the final decisions weren't only coming from the top of the pyramid, the organization and being pushed down, but they were also bubbling up from all levels and being pushed up. So we basically flipped the script in terms of in large organizations, usually executives make decisions from the top and they get pushed down. But what if we empower a company of six and a half thousand employees to also contribute ideas up the pyramid? I think another thing um, that was really special about NextGen is 
you know, quite often when you're a senior executive, you um, don't have a lot of contact with younger employees because you're often within the executive team. And so we really saw the power of age diversity and what happens when you integrate multiple generations into decisions and, um, and company strategies. Have you, is this something that, well, first I know that you're not with Bacardi anymore and that Mike moved on as well, I believe. Do I have that right? Yeah, Mike now um, is the co-founder of an incredible tequila brand and um, he left his position as CEO in 2017 and um, decided to retire or semi-retire. Mike will never retire. He's always got projects on the go. And um, that was also uh, um, an opportunity for me to decide what was next for myself. And um, I went on a, a two-year two -year journey, self-discovery journey, um, full of, you know, extreme experimentation from, you know, going to Antarctica to China and everything in between. And it was during this chapter of my life that I really realized the power of um, age diversity within my personal and my professional network and started to ask myself some really big questions of, you know, why in particular in Western cultures, do we have such age segregation within our societies? And how can we stimulate better intergenerational connection and collaboration? And why aren't more people experiencing the profound joy and benefits that happen when you have um, great uh, multi-age collaborations and interactions? And this led me to cold call email, Chip Conley. I was always really interested in age innovation and what was happening um, within aging as a category. And Chip is the co-founder of the Modern Elder Academy in Baja, California, Mexico. And I was really interested in what he was doing. He is a pioneer in um, reinventing midlife. And the Modern Elder Academy is an incredible transformational program that all ages go down to Mexico and have you know, one week experiences with curriculums that, you know, the school of life can never teach you. And I cold called, emailed Chip and pitched to him and Christine and Jeff, the co-founders, to be the ultimate intern of 2020. And this pitch document is something that um, is quite iconic in my life because going to MEA was an experience that then um, completely changed my life <laughs> and um, really brought my why and, and what I'm meant to do in this world into reality um, in front of me. And it was really my call to service. And I was surrounded there by all of these dynamic modern elders and um, thinking how I can help serve them. And, you know, they're there contemplating their legacy, what's next, um, and, you know, I really felt that um, I had an important role to play. So I came back from Mexico and I founded the company, The Win-Win, which is my current company and project that I work on. Great. And I just love your perspective on age. And I think it's neat to see you with this bigger picture, because to me, I didn't think it was something unique and you're helping me see that it is. So I have someone in my small organization uh, who's retired and, and working with me part-time. And I thought it was a no brainer to bring her on with the, the will, wisdom of older ages. And I know you're doing something similar in win-win, uh, but to, to transition, what is win-win? What do you do? Uh, it's a great question. So first of all, um, the win-win, um, the name really signals mutual benefit. And I just felt that through my interactions with these elders, they had such huge, huge reservoirs of wisdom and life experiences and lived experiences, um, but really no safe for private um, and 
easy way for them to capture them. And so I got really intrigued into life story work and um, the win-win signals, you know, when, when you capture your life stories, you win and others win. And so it signals that, that mutual benefit. And, you know, we recognize that our lived experiences, our insights, our wisdom and our story are uniquely ours, but they can be so mutually beneficial when shared with our loved ones. And so I became really fascinated by how stories connect and divide us at a co-generational level. And, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been devoting my life to exploring these human life stories across all the ages. And personally, you know, stories is how I process and find myself. And, you know, sometimes it's the longer and harder things that I find through um, this narrative practice that I have personally. But I started collecting life stories during COVID and this led me um, to create the win-win where now I help people capture their life stories in service to future generations. And most of the customers that I work with are, you know, they're thinking about their legacy and, you know, they're thinking about, you know, well, I won't be remembered for what's written on my Facebook wall. <laughs> and, you know, quite often these days, we don't have these pressure, precious time capsules of their lived experiences, their wisdom and their life stories, because life is busy. We don't have a lot of time to interact and really hear and listen. And, you know, when people ask me what I do day to day, I, I really listen. You know, my job as a life historian is to really help guide people and ask them through questions to capture their most precious milestones and memories. And the work that I do is so beautiful and rewarding and impactful. And, you know, the, the life story captures that we produce only get richer over time as, you know, the highs and lows of life happen. And yeah, it's um, it's a win-win because the clients that I work with um, experience the profound benefit of reflection. You know, nostalgia is one of our greatest underestimated emotions, and quite often life is so busy we don't have the time and headspace to really reflect back on our memories and our lives. And so I take them through this signature process through this life story interview that I've developed. And we produce these incredible life story captures that future generations can enjoy. And um, it's really like packaging their life legacies into beautiful stories so that their family, their loved ones, um, and themselves can reflect and remember the person and the life that they are. And I know you've described it as a reflective storytelling experience. I mm. love those words put together. Can you describe more about how you really dive in and guide people towards telling their story? And also what is uh, narrative psychology? Yeah, so um, first of all, um, I've been doing this for quite, I've been doing this for so many years now that um, it really comes down to how you hold the space for the individual. And, um, you know, the, the narrative psychology aspect is that, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves make up who we are in life. And it's really, really important to understand that, you know, um, narrative approaches in psychology um, are really underestimated. Um, people continue to tell themselves particular stories, but they can rewrite those stories. And I think reflection enables the ability for them to really reflect and potentially rewrite the stories they were telling themselves. Also, um, one of the beautiful things about reflective storytelling and nostalgia and narrative therapy is quite often 
we don't actually have the time to relive these important experiences in our in our lives. And so the process that I've developed really is a celebration of their lives. So we go through, you know, their core values, their milestones, their moments, the, you know, particular um, chapters, I, I guess, of their life that have really changed or transformed them, the people that have really had a positive impact on them. You know, there's so many different elements to a life story interview, but it's really, uh, it's almost like a highlight reel of their lives and their lives well lived. Um, another very important aspect of the work that we do at the Win Win is around service and, you know, there is so much untapped wisdom in our elders in terms of the lessons that they've learnt along the way. And this is really important for me because just like I experienced when I was working with Mike, you know, I learnt so much through Mike's stories and his lived, lived lessons and life experiences. And every client that I work with, I also learned so much through their lived life lessons and experiences. And you know, the lessons in life, the the elder that you get, the more that you have. And so I feel that there's a lot of younger generations that really underestimate the huge value that our elders bring in terms of their lived life experiences and their lessons. And so the way that I've structured the win-win way and the, the way that I interview is really a celebration of their life, but it's also about the legacy that they're going to leave, how they can be of service, um, how this um, opportunity of connection can increase their well-being and their confidence and inspire others and really celebrate them as individuals. Um, you know, it's not only about preserving the, their memories, it's also, you know, it's, it's an occasion, right, to really it's a gift to yourself to really dedicate the time to reflect back and uh, on your life and review the lessons, the experiences and the wisdom that you'd like to leave to others. And the last thing I'll say, Liz, is, you know, there's nothing more powerful than, you know, sharing your, your lived experiences and lessons with your loved ones, because then they can be inspired and learn from yours. And one of the most beneficial um, and surprising things about the work at the Win-Win is actually the way that this life story work further connects and reconnects across their loved ones. And so we've seen through the interviews that I've done that a lot of people have really reconnected with their loved ones, their family, their daughters, their sons, their grandchildren, because they've heard new things about them. And they just haven't before had the opportunity to hear all those things. And so my role is to just to simply listen and to mine and guide them for towards the best life story captures. So in my work, it, it, there's a lot of overlap in that I taught work with individuals to think through their legacy. I, I work on a nitty gritty legal aspect of how do you prepare for incapacitation or, or passing early or, or at the end of your life as life expectancy would have it. And I love so much meeting with clients and getting to learn their story and what makes them their drive and what's important to them through the work I do. And then I offer a, a, nothing like you're doing, but a quick interview to pass on some of the, the stories that they have. And I find that many people think, well, I don't have a story or I don't have something to share. And do you find, I'd imagine that a lot of people you work with were received the work with you as a gift. Um, mm. And if that's true, do you ever find resistance and how do you draw work through that? A hundred percent. I completely understand um, your experience there, Liz, because, you know, one of the top questions that I receive from potential clients is, you know, I, I don't know if my stories are interesting enough. I don't know if I've got that many stories that people would even want to hear, you know, 
who will care about my stories? And um, what I can tell you is that it's really beautiful and thrilling to see me convert these people through the experience because, you know, as humans, we all have important stories to share and our lived experiences can help others. Um, we just sometimes underestimate how much our lived experiences can. And so, you know, I've worked with people that feel that they have, um, you know, nothing of interest to share, um, you know, that they feel that their stories, you know, who's going to care? Um, how will this be of value? But it's not until they go through the experience that they really experience, the, that they really come to see the cathartic benefits. And I think that one of the most surprising things for my clients, in addition to the way that the work further connects with their loved ones, is also how um, rewarding it is for them personally. And I think it comes back to my point on, you know, we have boxes and boxes full of old photos, but when do we ever sit and go through all of those old photos and reminisce on those stories from those old photos? You know, who has time to do that? You know, when do we ever sit and look at the chapters of our lives and truly reflect on each of those chapters? You know, who has time to do that? So... I really give them the, the, the permission, first of all, but also the guidance on how to go through that nostalgic process in the most beneficial way for themselves and for others. So in summary, I'd just like to remind your listeners that no matter what type of life you've had, you have beneficial and interesting stories to share. And, um, you know, I think that anyone... Um, and everyone should experience the benefits of life story work. You know, we lived by our we live by our stories, and not only do our stories offer us a tool for connection or reconnection, but you know, sharing your stories is really cathartic and illuminating, and it has the power to release and transform you. Um, there's a great quote, quote that I quite often relay to my clients and that is um, the wise no growth is not possible without reflection and introspection and the notion of reflection and introspection is not often celebrated in this crazy fast-paced content overload world but you know the the science doesn't lie you know the the field of narrative psychology, it tells us that the stories we tell ourselves are the key to our well-being, and we have the power to choose what stories we tell. So not only can they inspire others and, you know, help our loved ones navigate their own challenges through your own lived experiences, but you're also preserving your memories and, you know, these slices of your life that I call them through the life story captures you know, they're moments that we record before it's too late. And it's really sad, but, you know, I have so many people tell me, I wish I did this. I, I wish I did this for my father, my grandfather, my, my sister. And quite often people come to me and say, it's too late. And, you know, I really feel like there's a sense of urgency in the work that I'm doing because, you know, we won't be remembered by our news feeds or, you know, our inboxes. You know, we'll be remembered by our stories and the impact we had on others. But there is, there wasn't an easy and enjoyable way for people to truly capture their legacy and their stories. And that's why I created the win-win. Lovely. And... What can a listener do if they're interested in learning more, exploring working with you for themselves, their own stories, or a loved one? Yeah, for sure. So the website is The Win Win. So T H E W I N W I N dot life, L I F E. And so there is, um, the signature service that I run is the life story interview. And that's um, all of the work that I do is one-to-one. -one, and I really pride myself that the work we do is 
built on trust and privacy. And one of the key reasons that people are drawn to work with me is that it's not about, you know, publicly posting your story all over social media. Like this is um, really private, intimate work. And you really, the client really has the license in terms of they can choose who they want to share this with. And maybe, you know, some clients aren't drawn to even share it. They want to do it for themselves. Um, you know, I think a majority of my clients are, um, you know, they're thinking about others and, you know, giving the most meaningful gift of a lifetime. And so a lot of my clients are actually being given this as a gift. And, um, and I work with people in three ways, the life story interview, the life story series, which is the multiple interviews or the life story legacy. And the life story legacy is uh, intergenerational um, six month journey. So it's more about the individual and the family or loved ones. And yeah, it's, um, it's a real joy to be able to listen to all ages um, all day and know that their, you know, their lived experiences and their life stories will help serve future generations. I have the best job in the world. I seriously have created myself the best job in the world. <laughs> I love it. And I, I love hearing about win-win and your life story work, but I also know, Nim, that you refer to yourself now as a social entrepreneur and that you are advising on boards and have other ventures that you enjoy. Do you, are you also drawn, not to take away from win-win, but I know I like to have many projects and how <laughs> has that transition been like? And I don't know where you're on on time. If you have to go, just let me know. Oh, no, that time is good. Yeah, so um, I would describe um, what I do as like a kaleidoscope of things. Um, the win-win is um, definitely my sole passion, you know, helping build the bridges between humans and their life stories. But I feel like this concept of building bridges also relates to my other projects um, I'm also the co-founder of Tomorrow's Air, which is the world's first carbon removal collective for travellers. Uh, my co-founder, Christina, uh, is based in San Francisco, and we are a dynamic intergenerational team. And um, this uh, is really important to me because um, Tomorrow's Air really focuses on carbon removal and it tickles my environmental passion and that is you know we're on a mission to ensure fresh air for future generations and in all the work that I do the common thread is this um, this concept of age diversity you know it's it's not um, a surprise to see me hanging out with all ages on the weekend you know I have a 68 year old intern um, my mum is 66, but I quite often hang out with her and her friends. Um, I have friends that are 85. I also have friends that are 14. Um, so I'm really committed to infusing um, age equality in my existence and really believe that no matter your age, you have something to teach and something to learn. And that's the win-win. Um, I also... Um, sit on the advisory board of Sparks and Honey, which is a consulting company out of New York that works with Fortune 500 companies. And then I do various other things like speaking and strategic advisory work for um, both individual and um, corporate clients. Um, so there is an um, ecosystem of my life's work that is happening, I guess a portfolio career, as they would call it. Um, but I really, um, you know, I believe at my core that, you know, the work that I do with the win-win is truly what I've been put on this planet to do and um, helping and seeing the impact of capturing these individuals' life stories and the impact it has on them and their loved ones is um, is re is so rewarding. Um, 
it's truly my life's work. Well, I love to hear about your different ventures and win-win and how it, it ties in, but I also just think you're a model of living life and enjoying it and being deliberate. And I'd love to indulge in a few more questions, completely in a different a few questions that came up for me. So you, when I spoke with you the first couple times on Zoom, had a wall behind you with sticky notes. And you have a picture somewhere online of you with, with sticky notes. What's your relationship to <laughs> stickies? Well, if you know me really well, Liz, you would know that I'm obsessed with quite a few things. I love a good strategy session with sticky notes. Post-it notes are always been a part of my existence. Um, I also am an uh, avid book reader. I love reading. Um, Glennon Doyle once said in one of her books, um, uh, reading is my inhale and writing is my exhale. And I thought that was such a beautiful analogy to how I feel in my life. Reading and writing is truly my inhale and exhale. Um, and, you know, that's how I came to um, work with Chip at the Modern Elder Academy because I read his book, Wisdom at Work, which is like one of the top five books that truly had a huge impact on my life. Um, the other book is um, David Brooks' book, The Second Mountain. Um, that was also quite transformational for me because um, in my career, you know, I discovered I climbed the first mountain hard and fast without realizing it. And then when I got to the top of the summit, I knew I needed to find a new sense of purpose. And, um, you know, you have to go through the valley before you get to that second mountain. And, you know, that's not always fun and it can be dark and confronting. And I certainly... I'm very open and honest and vulnerable in talking about the chapter of, you know, purpose paralysis I was in after leaving my big corporate career. Um, yeah, so I, I love, um, you know, I just feel that, um, you know, the po going back to the post-it notes, um, you know, I'm quite a deep thinker and, you know, these simple color squares really help me articulate my thoughts but it's also really ingrained in the work that I do with my clients and you know there's nothing better in my mind than having a good strategy session with a deck of post-it notes um, there's been multiple where at the end you know we feel like we could save the world <laughs> um, so I guess like it's just a part of my um, strategic brain <laughs> that my love for post-it notes and color, I guess, the strategic brain and the love uh -huh, of color. I love it. And I have not read either of the books that you mentioned. So I wrote them down and, and we'll link to them. Oh excited. yeah. And I love a good book recommendation. For sure. And so tying back this different question now, but the way that I heard about Chip Conley was through Seth Godin, who's the other blog that I read every morning, and they went to Stanford Business School together, mm -hmm. and somehow I saw, was introduced to Wisdom Well, and thought, just really love that blog with Chip. But I saw that you did the Alt-MBA, which mm -hmm. is through Akimbo that Seth Godin started, and if true, I would love to hear, did you enjoy it? That's something I want to do. It's on my bucket list. Yeah, so um, I absolutely love Seth's, Seth's blog and also um, him and Chip's email are the two emails that I read every morning. Um, I think when I, I did really enjoy doing the old MBA, but I felt that I would do it again at a different time because the time that I did it, um, personally, I was leaving I was leaving Bermuda so I lived in Bermuda for nearly three years and I was in a lot of different life transitions all at once and so the time and space 
that I gave the alt MBA wasn't as um, as much as I would have liked or liked to. But I love the the content and the people that I met in the alt MBA. I'm still in contact with and dear friends with now. And then um, just um, to touch on Chip and Seth. So yes, they went to Stanford Business School together, and um, you know Chip is such an incredible leader and um you know i i really value his thought leadership and he was someone that was really committed to this concept of intergenerational collaboration and that's why i originally wrote to him because i saw that he was um you know leading the thought leadership in terms of and living living and leading it and you know his book wisdom at work um, is essentially a beautiful story about him, you know, being an Airbnb and being the elder and having those experiences with the younger generations. And I love the work that Chip and the modern elder do and working with them and the team um, completely changed my life. And I'm, you know, I had my Baja Aha, as they call it in Mexico, you know, this epiphany moment where I was ready to scale my second mountain and Chip and Jeff and Christine have continued to stand by me and been such, you know, incredible mentors to the work that I'm doing. And we're really excited actually, um, because next year we're doing um, MEA's first intergenerational collaboration workshop. And this is the first, yeah, this is the first time they've offered a workshop based on intergenerational collaboration and we're really excited to welcome a multi-age group of people who are curious to discover more um, around the power and potential of connecting with different generations. Oh, how exciting. What a neat thing to be a part of. I And the pieces coming together. How can we find out more about that? Yeah, I can send you the link so you can put it in the show notes. Great. Great. I will do that. I think I have two questions left and then we'll wrap up. You can ask me anything, Liz. All right. I want to read you a quote and then ask you if you recall who it is. NIM is like diversity glue, always bridging different people, ages, and backgrounds. We have a great mutual mentorship that is a real testament to our commitment to elevate other generations and proving how multi-age connections and collaborations can fuel great perspectives and joy. It's a win-win. Do you recall who that was? Um, I have a feeling that you have a close relationship with this individual, and I'm curious uh, what that's. Yeah, so um, that is Sir Robert Swan. He is a polar explorer, um, the founder of the 2041 Foundation and the first person to walk to both the North and South Poles. And um, after I left my corporate career and was on my two-year mass experimentation, I ended up in Antarctica working alongside Rob. Rob is um, an incredible dear mentor and friend and we were an intergenerational and still are an intergenerational team. I worked with Rob in his foundation for quite some time and um, you know I'm in awe of his commitment to preserve Antarctica for future generations. Um, we have a really dynamic relationship and, um, you know, Rob is committed to surrounding himself with all ages as I am. And um, I am yeah, just always inspired by Rob's wisdom. He makes me laugh and the, you know, the WhatsApp voice messages that I sometimes receive from him are absolutely hilarious and, um, you know, I am always here to help him and support his mission of um, the preservation of Antarctica because the Antarctica Treaty goes up for renewal in the year 2041. And so Rob has committed his entire life to educating the next generation of leaders so that when that treaty goes up for renewal in the year 2041, we have the right representation to truly protect Antarctica as a place for science, peace and research. 
Um, so yes, um, I, Nim is like diversity glue. That makes me laugh because um, quite often my friends are in awe of, um, I guess, the diversity of um, the the age groups in my life, but also um, backgrounds and different walks of life. People, I really <laughs> love surround. I really love surrounding myself with. Um, you know, all ages, wages and stages, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You're traveling the world and it just, how exciting. Antarctica is on our soon list. I need to make some some plans. So I think that's, I'm jealous. Well, I'm, sure, I'm sure with the Alaskan weather, you're prepared for the weather down there. It's very similar. Maybe. My husband wants to dive there, which <laughs> so. beautiful. We'll see. All right. Last question, and then I'll let you share anything you want. Uh, tell me about your mentor, and why should other organizations consider a mentor? <laughs> yeah, so mentor is a concept that Ch- um, Chip speaks about in his book, Wisdom at Work. And essentially, a mentor is a mentor meets intern. And um, we have a mentor at the win-win. Uh, her name is Susan. And um, we met at um, oh, we met at a, a, a friend's birthday, like a, I think it's friend's 30th birthday party. And um, yeah, essentially, um, Susan and I, just like Mike and I, just like Rob and I, just like all of these um, incredible elders in my life, we're an intergenerational team. And, um, you know, we, um, we have a very um, interesting partnership where um, as the mentor, um, Susan is really there to guide me in all things business and life. And we have uh, um we have weekly lunch meetings and we really value the intergenerational transfer of knowledge that happens between us. Our friendship is what I would describe as a win-win, um, you know, and um, I guess like Susan is just the epitome of a curious, vibrant, modern elder. Um, she's a lifelong learner. She's always looking at learning and growing and she's super curious, intelligent, passionate, generous. Um, she's hilarious. And um, yeah, and I, I hope I bring um, those qualities or similar qualities to the, the friendship and the dynamic. And um, I think that what's really important is this concept of intergenerational learning and knowledge exchange in the workplace, because um, quite often in the workplaces, in these ecosystems, we have such um, ageism and age segregation. And so it's a really refreshing narrative from all of this generational shaming and blaming that we have going on in our workplaces to embrace these multi-generational collaborations. You know, ageism is a very sensitive topic and ageism isn't just if you're an elder, you know, ageism happens at all ages. And, you know, we live in a world where the media just amplifies this with messages like, okay, boomer, and, you know, oh, the millennials, the me, me, me generation. But I really don't believe in these stereotypes. And I also don't believe that okay boomer is okay you know we shouldn't shame an entire demographic or generation based on the year that they were born because I've certainly met some okay boomers and you know boomers are okay (laughs) (laughs) all right well you are such an inspiration to myself to see you crafting and participating, bringing stories to individuals and doing the work you're doing and living the life you're living. Thank you, Liz. You know, for your American listeners, um, one of my favorite places um, I go is there's a, a nonprofit in America called Encore. And they really lead the thought leadership around intergenerational collaboration 
and I constantly follow their work and subscribe to their email list. And, um, you know, I really feel that for your American listeners, this is like the number one place to go if they're curious to learn more about how and where they can infuse more intergenerational connection and collaboration in their lives. Great. I wrote that down. I'm really excited to look at Encore and I'll link to it. Is there anything else that you want to share? No, I just want to thank you for this opportunity. You know, the work that you do with your clients, um, you know, in terms of um, thinking about leaving their legacy and end of life planning, you know, this is a really important project. And, you know, in our culture, we have you know, become scared to talk about death and dying and end of life. But I feel like it's a necessary conversation to have because the more that you can accept and prepare for it, the the more, the more beneficial your legacy will be left with uh, your loved ones. And so, you know, I, I encourage your listeners to not be afraid to lean into those harder conversations. And, you know, thinking about your legacy is an incredible opportunity it shouldn't feel scary it's a celebration and I hope that's what we do through the work at the win-win you know we really celebrate the lives of others and the lived experiences and the stories and the wisdom that they've collected over their lifetime and that can only go on to benefit their loved ones and future generations such good work I'm so excited I'm excited to share this. I'm excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you. That's all for this week. You can find show notes for this show and prior episodes and future episodes at lizsmithlaw.com. And if you're interested in scheduling a meeting with us to find out what your next step would be for your estate planning, visit us at bit.ly slash mygiftfromlsl. Again, that's bit.ly slash mygiftfromlsl. Or find the link at lizsmithlaw.com. We look forward to seeing you again right here, same place, same time, two weeks from now. Thank you so much.